great to be here. We, we love Don and Penny and love visiting Whangarei, and we really are committed to Northland. I think in the first couple of months of next year, we're, we're going to be in Moriwa, Kaiwaka, um, Keri Keri, and Kaitaia. So just really trying to invest in this part of the world. How many know that the gospel came to Northland first? This is where it landed, you know, and therefore God's eye is on Northland. You know, I really, because you see, the Maori people welcomed the gospel up here. And God's not forgotten that. God has not forgotten the welcome that the Maori people gave to the gospel in 1814 and the years ensuing. And so God's not, God's going to not bypass you. God's going to do something special up here. We really believe His eyes on this place. So let's keep praying into that and believing God for it. Amen. That is so good. Stephen, can you come, my friend? Come out, and Andy, I've got, got a word for you both. Is that all right? Yeah, yeah. yeah there's no other Andy I'm pointing to. It is you. <laughs> and, uh, and Stephen, bless you. Um, just, um, Stephen, for you, um, you know, it's like God, is, God has really promoted you um, this last year. There's been a real promotion in the Holy Spirit. Uh, he's brought you out of the shadows. He's brought you more into the light. And... Um, and you are starting to sense more of the call of God. And there's actually some stuff in you that you're thinking and you've pondered and, and you wonder at times, is that really God or is it just me? But, you know, um, God is the God that fulfills the desires of, of your heart. And I believe he's going to do that for you. And, and just the promotion's going to keep going, uh, is going to be more. And I just see in this, even in this next 12, 24 months, increased authority, increased anointing on you. Uh, your preaching and teaching is going to go to another level. And there's gonna, God's going to add a revelatory component. It's like you're going to be hearing from heaven. It's going to come a, a bit of a prophetic flow that's going to start to happen in your ministry um, because to be able to hear from the Lord um, brings that sharpness. And I, I just see like the Lord putting a sword in your hand. You know, the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. And, and I see like a double edge. It's going to be sharp. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intention of your heart. You know, your, your dad's a great teacher of the word, but your ministry is going to be different. Your ministry in the word is going to be different. And it's going to be, you know, there's going to be exhortation, encouragement. There's going to be that prophetic edge to it. And so, you know, you're going to be surprised at how much God starts downloading to you. And it's not in hours and hours of preparation, but it's actually more in just enjoying sitting at the feet of the Lord. You know, when you come to prepare to give the word, you know, we've got to do preparation, we've got to do study. But I feel like one of the key things that I want to say to any young preacher is learn to sit at the feet of Jesus. You know, we do our preparation, but what, what we also do is we just sit, we pray, we soak in His presence, just try and capture that intimacy with the Lord because, you know, that will bring such a flow. So, Lord, would you, would you stretch out your hands, folks? Just bless Stephen, Lord. We just bless you to be who you are in God. We bless you to rise into the fullness of all that God's called you to do and to be beyond what you think, beyond what you think. New levels of authority, new levels of authority and proclamation and leadership. Um, and, Lord, new levels of revelation. Let them come. In the name of Jesus, I just release you into that right now. From this day on, I release you into a whole new level of it. In the name of Jesus. Amen.
bless you, buddy. That's good. And Andy, um, you know, I just sense like the Father is so pleased with you because you, you really are going after uh, conveying his heart to people. And you represent his heartbeat beautifully. Um, you know, there are people, you understand the Father heart of God. You've got that revelation. But there's some people that stay camped there and they forget about that Father wants to win a lost world. And you have a combination of a love and a revelation of the Father's heart and you also have a revelation of the lostness of people and that evangelistic thrust that God is releasing more and more in you um, and in Bethel to uh, see a harvest. And the Lord doesn't want you, you know, like maybe things have not happened in Whangarei uh, as fast as you would have wanted, but the Lord is so pleased. And, you know, he just says, just stay faithful, son, because this has all been about him learning, you learning to steward what God has given you. And if you're faithful, I believe the Lord declares over your life, son, you have been faithful in the little that he's given you. And so now father is going to entrust you with more. And even in 2017, expect the more, expect a new level of power, a new level of anointing and a new level of God sharing his heart with you so that when you speak and prophesy and teach that father's anointing comes on you even though you're young it comes on you and it brings a security and it brings a revelation of the nature of God and the heartbeat of God so that when people hear the things that you say they're getting a revelation not of Andy but of the father they're getting a revelation of Jesus that's what's going to transform them and I just release you into the greater fullness of all that you're meant to carry. God, strengthen these shoulders. More authority, more power, more grace. Let it come. Let it come. And you know the fact, um, I don't think Matt's here tonight, is he? No, but I just sense like, you know, you and Matt, it's like a David and Jonathan thing. And you know, what David and Jonathan do, they were really good at slaying Philistines. And I feel like God's called you into this place to slay some Philistines. And, and what I mean is that Philistines, they, you know, they were the giant. There were some giants there. They, were, they represent the enemy. They represent strongholds. But I tell you what, that, that spirit that was on David and Jonathan, it slew Philistines. And there's some things in this city that God wants to bring down. There'll be other churches involved. But I just feel like, you know, when you move in the opposite spirit, Satan falls. You know when, the, uh, when Jesus sent out the 70 two by two and they went and healed the sick, cleansed lepers, cast out demons, preached that the kingdom had come near. You know when they came back, just is what Jesus said. He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. Yeah. And so in the slaying of the Philistines, part of that spiritual warfare and intercession, but part of it's doing the stuff. And may the Lord give you greater power, greater authority to see the supernatural break open in this place. Amen. So God bless you. We just bless you in the name of Jesus. God, just bless Matt wherever he is, Lord. Just bless him. Bless this church, Father, in the name of Jesus. Let it fulfill the mandate by which you've called it into existence. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, buddy. All right. God bless you. Keep, 
you know, guys, just um, pray for Stephen, pray for Andy, you know, just be in prayer that those words come to pass. I'm going to get Greta up in a moment. What we want to share with you tonight is um, we're just kind of coming into 2017. We're a few weeks off it, and we both feel like God has just begun to give us some stuff that hopefully will position you as you enter into this new year. We shared some stuff this morning, and um, that, w- that was great, but we just want to add to that tonight. Before I do, just for the Bethel people, you weren't here this morning, we've got some copies of our new book, Afterlife, that is down on the table. Um, this has just been released this year. Uh, it's called Life, uh, subtitled Life Beyond Death for the Departed, uh, New Life for the Grieving. Greta and I lost our spouses a number of years ago. Uh, God beautifully healed our hearts, gave us some amazing visions of heaven, and um, brought us together. We didn't know each other. So, you know, there's just some of that story is in the book that will really bless you. And, and anyone that's lost someone, it will really help you through uh, that grief of loss. But the, the rest of the book is about, you know, what happens on the other side of death? What happens when you die? Where do you go? What's heaven like? Uh, you know, the resurrection, what your resurrection body is going to be like. There's a whole chapter on that. And um, Judgment Day, uh, judgment for the Christian, going to be way different for judgment to the non-believer. And so there's a couple of chapters on that. You guys need to know that. You know, one of the basics of the Christian faith, according to Hebrews 6, is a repentance from dead works and a faith towards Jesus, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and judgment to come. And baptisms. So those are meant to be basic. So we're meant to know this stuff, but so many Christians haven't got a clue. And all the stuff about Jesus coming back, all the different theories, how do you make sense of that? We try and make sense of it without taking a position, I might add. Because <laughs> who, who really knows? And then we talk about the new heaven and the new earth. So check that out. That'll be available at the end. It's discounted today. And Andy, I'd like to give you this copy, not as a prediction of any future event, but just to bless you, all right? All right. Bless you, my friend. Honey, come and share. Where am I going to stand? I'd actually like to stand down here. Is that okay? All right. All right, there you go. That's nice. We like being closer and not elevated far away up there. (laughs) Did you hear that? David said, we like keeping an eye on Don secretly. (laughs) Let's just pray a minute. Our Father, thank you that you are such an amazing God of love and incredible grace. And Jesus... You are our beloved, precious King, and thank you for sending Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, we, we invite you now to just refocus afresh our attention and all our thoughts on Jesus. And Lord, we open our hearts. And Lord, to each one here, we pray, would you come now and speak deep within our hearts and our spirits. Open our eyes and our ears, Lord, to hear what you are saying. Amen. You know, currently in our world, there is a lot of shaking happening in many nations. And there's more than one reason. But part of the shaking is God actually positioning things to set things in place for his great purposes for the nations. That's a good thing. And I really sense that right now there is massive positioning going on. There's realigning going on in the world right now. And just two of many examples are Brexit in the UK 
and in the USA, the election of Donald Trump as president. And all this positioning and realigning in many nations is primarily about facilitating the spread of the gospel across the earth, because God is after the salvation of the nations. And, you know, in, in Romans, it's, it says, you know, that we, God wants us to understand the times and the seasons we're in. He wants us to understand what's happening in the world right now. And so against this backdrop of all the shaking and moving and changing, this is one of the things, there's, there's lots that God is saying, but this is one of the things I feel he's saying for 2017. Open window, open door. And the open window, right now in this moment in history, the Lord is starting to open a great window of opportunity. And this denotes, a window of opportunity is, is an idiom that, that denotes a limited period of time. I don't know exactly how long it is. But this is a time of the golden opportunity for an unprecedented harvest of salvation. And I really sense that we must seize the opportunity with both hands. We must make the, the most of it and not waste it at all. And then the open door. As God opens a great window of opportunity, he is also opening a great door for effective work. And 2017 is the year of the open door. And as we, I said this morning, the year... In, in prophetic terms, denotes an ongoing season. 1 Corinthians 16.9 says, A great door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many that oppose me. So just expect opposition, but there is a but. What, what I really sense is that as we're entering into this, this window of opportunity, God is going to open many doors for many of his people. And this is the but that what Jesus says in Revelation 3.8 about the opposition. He says, see, he was speaking to a church, the Philadelphia church. I have placed you before you an open door that no man can shut. So when the Lord opens the door, no one can shut it. And I sense that those that walk through that open door, there, do, you, do you know there are windows and doors in heaven? And there's, you're going to walk under an open heaven as we, as we walk through the open doors of God on the earth. And what I sense the Spirit is saying to the sleeping giant of the, the Western church, and I felt him say it three times, wake up, wake up, wake up. And Jesus once said that to one of the churches in, in Revelation as well. Rise up, rise up, rise up. And it's like this loving urge. Shine, you were born for such a time as this. For the time of the golden opportunity. For the time of the open window and the open door. And for some nations, and notice I say some, not all. God intends it to be a golden time of profound mercy and grace, an environment of flourishing, prospering, and peace. And this is the reason for salvation, transformation, and reformation to spring up. Just like in Acts 
The church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. See, it wasn't, it wasn't the whole of Asia and Europe. It was, it was some. Enjoyed a time of peace. It was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit and grew in numbers. So this is going to be a time of growth. This is a new era of salvation. The harvest has already begun, but this is important. The harvest momentum is about to increase in the world, and we need to be ready to run with it. Remember this morning, David spoke about running into the new year, and I spoke about full gallop charging on the horse. And with this new era of salvation, this is a new era of prophetic intercession. The Lord will release a new anointing so that we can really hear clearly what heaven is saying like never before. Because what Pastor Don said is, you know, we need to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we need to hear what heaven is saying for heaven's will to be done and that we can we hear with the prophetic and fresh anointing, then we can pray um, God's will specifically into being on the earth. And God is calling us all to rise up to a whole new level of prayer like never before. And this is what I felt Father say to me. And it's not for me only. He said, you will transform nations by your prophetic prayers. Because I hear you. And I will release my transforming power into these nations in response. Our prayers have the power to influence the future destiny of nations. Father's calling us to participate in world affairs through prayer. But this is also a new era of evangelism. And we must pray the Lord of the harvest to send workers into this harvest field. And he's issuing this rallying cry to the churches. Mobilize, go into every sphere of society. And the Lord will release a new anointing of fiery boldness to evangelize the lost in our local communities and beyond. And for some of you here, Andy included, Stephen, and others those that, that, that it burns in your heart, you just want to share Jesus with whoever you meet. The Lord is going to release a fresh fire to preach the gospel. And I close with what God prophesies in Malachi. My name will be great among the nations from where the sun rises to where it sets. And I feel that this is God's word to us now in our time and our day. Habakkuk 1.5. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed because I'm going to do something in your time, in your day, that you would not believe even if you were told. You know, open window, open doors. You know, open windows speak a blessing. Uh, see if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you cannot contain. That's in Malachi. Open doors speak of opportunity, blessing opportunity. And, and it's not for just us. It's for the nations. I hope you caught that. And, you know, I, I've, we, we have never, well, you know, I've always been a,
prayer for the nations. But these last two to three years, it's like God has given us prayer assignments to keep praying for certain nations. He puts, us, puts them on our hearts. And we've actually seen God do incredible things uh, because probably he's got millions of Christians praying. And, uh, and so, you know, harvest time. You know, today in China, 35,000 people will come to Christ. In Africa, 33,000 will come to the Lord. In India alone, 48,000 will come to Christ today. You know, the statistics are just amazing. But even at that rate, we still need more. So hallelujah, if it's going to be a greater harvest. And you know, there's change in governments around the nations. Because I think God is starting to get angry towards liberals that are so opposed to Christian values. And, you know, there comes a time where you, you keep sowing, you, you'll reap, you'll reap a harvest. And there's some liberal governments around the earth that have fallen out of power, scratching their heads. How did we lose that election? What did we do wrong? And they can't, they don't get it. They don't get it. They spat in the face of God. That's what they did. And there comes a time where, you know, that catches up with you. So we're just seeing some very interesting shifts, aren't we? Hey, I want to just share with you um, something that the Lord has put on my heart, and, and, and I've called this message, But God. But God. And uh, this came out of a prayer time recently. I was praying for some personal circumstances and also uh, global uh, circumstances that, you know, we were burdened by. And, uh, and I was just telling, you know, as you do in prayer, it's like he doesn't need to know, but you tell the Lord all the problems. You know, you're describing the mountain that you're facing. Lord, this is what, you know, and you did. But then you kind of, if you only do that and stop, it's all a bit negative. And I, I found myself saying, Lord, there's this and there's that. And then I heard myself say, but God, you're able. And, uh, and I thought, whoa, but God. And I, so I went to the scripture, and there's a whole lot of phrases in the Bible that have that but God. And so I just want to share some areas because I feel that in 2017, we're going to need to know this. We're going to need to know whatever you face personally in this coming year, whatever we face nationally with a, with a new uh, prime minister, whatever we face globally uh, in the earth uh, with the problems that we've seen this year and, and, and continuing on. Whatever we see, we need to know there needs to be a, a cry in our spirit, a shout in our spirit, but God. Whatever I'm facing, that diagnosis from the doctor, but God. That thing that's happening in that nation over there, but God. Uh, Christianity trying to be eradicated from the Middle East, but God. And there's some areas that I feel that we really need to know that there's a but in. And one of them is divine discipline. Hebrews 12, 5 and 6 and verses 10 and 11 says this, My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he chastens each one he accepts as his child. God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful, but afterward... There will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. You know, God is not a Father Christmas. He's a Father God. See, the concept of Father Christmas is he's a benign person, just only gives you nice gifts and that's it. And a lot of Christians have a concept of Father God like Father Christmas, but he's not. Because he's a godly and loving father, because he's a loving father, yes, he will bless us. 
because fathers love to bless their kids. And Jesus made that so strong. He said, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give good things to those who love him, those who know him? So he does. But you know, the thing about God is because he loves us, he'll also discipline us that we might share his holiness. And when you go through the disciplines of God, that's very painful. But you know what that verse says? But later, but afterwards, it yields a harvest of right living. Or as the NIV says, it yields a harvest of righteousness and peace in our lives. You know, I believe that the Lord's desire is that he discipline our lives with a whisper. But so often we're so distracted by this, that, and all the rest, all the pain of our circumstances, we don't hear his whisper. And so C.S. Lewis said this, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Pain gets our attention, doesn't it? And God disciplines us through the circumstances of life or through other people, what they say to us, what they do to us. Uh, it's never enjoyable at the time, but afterward, there will be a harvest of righteousness and peace afterwards. You know, I've learned enough in my life to say, Lord, would you really, really help me to become very sensitized to your voice so that it only takes your whisper to correct me, <laughs> not, you know, not a, a, a rod of discipline. That's a good prayer to pray, by the way. That's, Lord, just let me so hear your voice that it's your whispers that can correct me. I don't need some crisis to bring me into line. And I think that's where God wants to get us to. But, you know, I remember way back in, in my, um, you know, back when we were living in Wellington, I was in my early 30s, just a few years ago now, really. And uh, wow, that was rude laughter, Don. <laughs> Come on, rude laughter from the front. Just a few years ago in my 30s. And uh, I uh, was diagnosed with uh, lymphatic cancer, Hodgkin's disease. And uh, my wife, Jane, was uh, battling multiple sclerosis. And so it was a pretty heavy duty year. And I went through nine months of chemotherapy. And I actually was prayed for at a healing meeting a couple of months into the treatment and all the lumps disappeared and that was very great. But I, I just felt like I needed to go through the treatment and be obedient to the medical profession. And so I did. And, and what the chemo did is it kind of, it really, um, it, it, you know, I've been clear of the cancer ever since, by the way. It, it, um, prayer and that treatment worked its jobs. But chemo can knock your immune system and other parts of your your body, and so my immune system was was wrecked, and uh, and I was very relieved when the nine months of chemo was up. I thought, wow, thank goodness, um, it's over. Praise God, it's over. And uh, and because it had been a tough year, um, one of the, our sister churches in Auckland said, look, you guys come up, have a three month break. We'll cover all your costs and rent a house for you. Just come and have a three month holiday in Auckland to recover. So I was thinking, man, that is so cool. And, you know, I was so excited, so looking forward to that. And about a couple of weeks or two or three weeks before we were due to leave, suddenly I started getting all this pain down my neck and down, down my chest. Um, 
And I thought, what the earth is going on? And it just got worse and worse. Then it broke out in blisters. And I finally went to the GP. He, said, he laughed. He said, that is the worst case of shingles I've ever seen. I thought, thank you very much. Uh, anyone had shingles? It's hideous, let me tell you. It's hideous. It's painful. And he said, there's nothing we can do for it. And, and I was so distressed, I rang the oncologist. He said, ah, oh, you should have come and seen us. We've got some new drug. We can treat that. So they put me on this thing. It cleared the, shingle, it cleared the blisters up, but it left me with what they called post-neuralgic pain. So um, it, was, it was like the, the signs of it had gone, but the pain was so intense. At one stage, they even had me on some morphine. It was that bad. So I'm looking forward to this holiday, and, and so we arrive in Auckland, and every day I'm battling this intense pain. And, you know, we're praying, God, just remove it, heal it. There were prayer lines at church. I'd be up on every one asking for healing. And just for the next four or five weeks, this thing would just not lift. And, uh, and then I began to, our senior pastor in Auckland said, look, um, you may need to think about whether you should be going back to Wellington. And I thought, well, I want to go back, and I want to pastor the church, I want to lead it. I was, you know, dedicated to that, and, and so I dismissed it. But then, the, you know, the pain just kept, kept there. It was horrible. And, um, and then finally, I thought, hmm, maybe, maybe he's right. Maybe we've got to pull out. Because you know, I was in there to change Wellington. Let me tell you, I was in there to change that city. So it felt like a defeat and a failure to have to pull out. Sometimes you've got to walk away from something and it feels like defeat, but actually it's not defeat. It's God promoting you to your next assignment. That's a word for someone right now. You've got to have to, you're going to have to walk away from something. You're making that decision right now, and it feels like failure and defeat for you to do it but it actually could be the Lord promoting you into something new. And so I reluctantly, I remember having lunch with our senior pastor, my wife and I having lunch uh, one Sunday, and I said, I think you're right. I think I'm too ill to go back. We're going to make the decision to leave. He said, I'm glad you've come to that decision. You know, that night, went to church. They had a healing meeting, and I got prayed for. And instantly, as they laid hands on me, all the pain went. It just disappeared like that. It went from intense pain, almost needing morphine, to it all just went like that. And I thought, what was that about, Lord? God does not send sickness to discipline us. Okay? He does not send sickness to discipline us. That illness came from living in a fallen world. It came from a depleted immune system due to chemotherapy. That's just where it came from. Didn't come from God. Sure, the devil was in there trying to mess me up, but it didn't come from God. But how many know that even though something doesn't come from God, he can squeeze good out of it? Okay? Because he works everything for good. Some people say, oh, God sent me sickness to discipline. No, he didn't. He didn't send sickness to discipline you. That comes from another source, the devil or a fallen world. But God can use it to discipline us. And in that moment, he was trying to correct me from a mind frame of, I need to stay in Wellington. And as one of my pastor friends, he said, you would have stayed here till it killed you. And I would have. Uh, because I was taken on principalities and powers beyond my ability to understand what I was really doing. 
And so God used that whole thing. We came up to Auckland. We had a year of recovery, bought, bought a house, joined the staff of a large church. And, uh, you know, and the rest is history. This Auckland has now been our launching pad for so many things. It was like, God, I'm going to have to get my son out of Wellington. And I want to get him up to Auckland. And the only thing he's going to listen to is this. And so he used it for good. Didn't send it, but he used it for good. And if you're going through a crisis, you're going through some kind of trauma, you need to be asking the Lord, Lord, are you trying to tell me something? Because when you get the message, God starts lifting the rod of discipline off you. When you get what he's saying, the rod of correction starts lifting and you come out into liberty and into freedom. And so all discipline's painful rather than pleasant. Aren't you glad you got a father? that will correct us in love, and not often through crisis and trauma, praise God, but sometimes that'll happen, but he's just trying to get our attention, and when we catch the message, then it lifts. Another thing we need to know that there's a button is adversity and suffering. 2 Corinthians 1 verses 8 through 11, we do not want you to be uninformed about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. This is Paul. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead, and on Him we have set our hope that He will continue to deliver us. I hear Christians saying, God will not test you beyond your ability to bear it. That is not accurate. They are actually quoting 1 Corinthians 10.13. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says this, No temptation has overtaken that is not common to man. Um, but God will not let you be tempted beyond your strength, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So when it comes to temptation to sin, God will not let us be tempted beyond our ability to endure it. He will give you grace to resist that temptation. But when it comes to trials and adversity, it's a different story. And there are times that you and I may face trials that you say, I can't handle this. And when you begin to confess, I can't handle it, that's when the grace of God starts to flow. And you see, what Paul went through was satanic persecution, if you read the story, you know, he's saying we're in the province of Asia. If you go to the book of Acts, every city he went to, they were stoned, they were beaten, they were, they were persecuted. It's like he said, it, we, we just wanted to die. That's what Paul said. We wanted to die. This, it was beyond our ability to endure, so we despaired of life. We just wanted to die. And when life gets you at that point, you say, I can't go on. I just want to outlawed. You're not meant to take an out. You're meant to realize there's a but. And I don't know how long it took Paul to discover the but, whether it was days, weeks, months, but at some point he got a revelation of what was happening. And he began to declare, and he's kind of writing this way after the event, but this happened, why? That we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. And on him, we've set our hope that he will yet deliver us. One of the greatest secrets to an effective Christian life is to know that you're weak. Because God used those trials, that persecution in Paul's life, to create dependence on the Lord. In fact, if you go to 2 Corinthians 12, it says, he said he beseeched the Lord three times to have the thorn removed. And the thorn was that ongoing persecution. And you know what the Lord said to him? Paul, 
My grace is sufficient for you. My power is perfected in your weakness. And trials and adversity are meant to create in us a dependency on God because how many know the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him to deliver them? How many know that God wants to bring you through every trial? He doesn't want any trial to defeat you, but sometimes the trials are so severe, you feel like I can't bear it any longer. And you know, when you're at that moment and you cry out to God, He's going to teach you dependency on him, and he'll get you through that trial. But this happened. Max Lucado tells the following story about a parakeet named Chippy. He writes, Chippy never saw it coming. The problems began when his owner decided to clean Chippy's cage with a vacuum cleaner. She removed the attachment from the end of the hose and stuck it in the cage. The phone rang, and she turned to pick it up. She'd barely said hello when Chippy got sucked in. The bird owner gasped, put down the phone, turned off the vacuum, opened the bag. There was Chippy, still alive but stunned. Since the bird was covered with dust and dirt, she grabbed him and raced to the bathroom, turned on the tap and held Chippy under the running water. Then realizing that Chippy was soaked and shivering, she did what any compassionate bird odor would do. She reached for the hairdryer and blasted the pet with hot air. Poor Chippy never knew what hit him. A few days after the trauma, a friend contacted Chippy's owner to see how the bird was recovering. Well, she replied, but Chippy doesn't sing much anymore. He just sits and stares. It's hard not to see why. Sucked in, washed up and blown over. That's enough to steal the song from a stoutest heart. I don't know if you've been sucked in, washed down and blown over. But that pretty much describes some of the trials of life. And if I could just leave you with anything for 2017 is remember Chippy. Hallelujah. <laughs> remember Chippy. And don't lose your song. The secret of getting through trials is don't let Satan steal your song. doesn't matter whether you've been sucked down, washed over, blasted with hot trials. Don't lose your song. Keep praising God. Keep singing God because there's a but afterward. But this happened that you might not rely on yourself, but on God who raises the dead. Greta and I have learned in the ministry, God, God has blessed us, taken us into many, many churches and a number of nations. And the moment we think we can do it is when the anointing starts lifting. It's because always Him. You have a little bit of success, you think, man, I can do this. No, you can't. We've got to learn to stay in weakness, stay in dependency on the Lord. And... Uh, and, you know, he does that. And then the third area is weakness. You know, I love Psalm 73, 26. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And if you read the context of Psalm 73, I think it's really highly appropriate for where the world's at right now. In Psalm 73, the psalmist is writing about his bitterness towards God because of the seeming prosperity of the wicked. And if you read Psalm 73, he's a, he's a bit offended and angry and bitter towards God. Because how come the wicked prosper? How come they get away with what they get away with? How come they seem to be in positions of influence and power and your people get trampled on? And he was becoming bitter. But then he says, but God, I went into the sanctuary and you showed me the end of the wicked that they will be destroyed. Wickedness doesn't last forever, folks. 
Evil does not last forever. Righteousness prospers. Is that right? And I think what we're seeing in the nations of the earth is God is shaking wickedness. God is shaking evil. But listen, sometimes the wickedness that we're seeing today can so provoke you to anger, so provoke you to, why is God letting that happen? What, what, what is this thing with ISIS? What is going on in Europe? And, 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 and it goes on and on and on. But we need to remember in 2017, whatever we see the wicked doing, A, pray that God will save them. God will bring them into the kingdom of God and those that won't turn, that he'll deal with them because that's what he says in Psalm 73 that he will. And we've got to remember when your heart starts failing you because you see things coming on the, you know, the, uh, the Bible predicts that things are going to happen in the last days will cause men's hearts to fail them for fear. And when we start to see stuff like that happening, we've got to remember not to get weak need. We've got to remember God is the strength of my heart. Hallelujah. When you look out on the nations in 2017 and whatever you see, pray for the nations of the earth. We can shape nations. We can really, we need to be praying for America right now. Pray. You know, Donald Trump, of all those cabinet appointments, he's appointed seven evangelical Christians so far. Seven evangelical, love God with all their heart believers to his cabinet. The media won't tell you that, but that's what he's done. Go Donald. I don't care if you don't like him. That's tough. He's in, he's in there and you got to pray for him. I don't care if you don't like Bill English. You got to pray for him. You know, if you're a labor voter, get delivered. I'm oh, sorry. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> just, just pray. <laughs> just, just pray. Oh, God bless you. Uh, you're not supposed to talk about politics in church. I break that rule all the time. Yeah, come on. Just got to pray for our government. Because governments are meant to bring peace. Greater shared about that. You know, Timothy says governments are meant to bring peace. So why? We have freedom to live freely for Jesus and freely proclaim the gospel. Governments aren't meant to save lost people. That's our job. Governments are meant to create an environment where the church can function freely and peacefully. Look at the nations that have oppressive governments. That the church has to go underground. Now, God blesses the underground church, but we are so grateful, aren't we, that we can be above ground. Whatever happens, and personally in your life, whatever you face this coming year, whatever your heart feels like, however weak you feel, whatever you're having to deal with, you need to say, but God is the strength of my heart. Amen? And one more before we finish. Salvation. And you might have loved ones that aren't yet born of the Spirit. You might have family members that, or friends that you want to see in the kingdom of God. And we just need to remind ourselves of what God did for you and me. Ephesians 2, 2 to 5. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world. Paul's writing to the Ephesians, one of the, one of the most blessed, strongest churches in the early church. Uh, you just used to be like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers and the unseen world. He's the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Here it is. But God is so rich in mercy, and He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life. When He raised Christ from the dead, it's only by God's grace that you've been saved. Wow. Come on. All of you, you get my book, Afterlife, all of us deserved a terrifying judgment at the end of time. 
And that's what's going to happen to people that die in their sin, whose sin is not forgiven. They will face a terrifying judgment because it will be the day of vengeance of God where he pours out his wrath on the wicked and on the unrighteous who refuse to accept his offer of salvation. And you know, the Bible says that God is not willing that any perish. He doesn't want that to actually happen to anybody. He doesn't want anyone to be separated from him. You know, if people die in their sin, if they die in their sin, God has to send them to a place of separation from his presence because sin cannot dwell in the presence of a holy God. And so God says, I offered you salvation in my son. He died for you, but you refused. And now I'm obliged by my justice to send you to a place that's separate from me forever. And any place where God isn't is hell. You can have hell on earth because God isn't there. But you can have hell in eternity. It's going to be a place where God isn't. And that'll be the regret. That'll be the torment that people, having seen and glimpsed God on Judgment Day, His beauty, His glory, know that they are going to be shut out from His presence forever. Good. That's all right. You just hold it. That's exactly right. She's not going to let them perish. See, God is rich in mercy. But that's where your loved ones are headed. Unless you and I wake up and start praying and start sharing the love of Christ, you cannot afford to sleep when it comes to the salvation of the people in your life. Now, at the end of the day, you're not responsible for their salvation. That's on them. But you and I are responsible to pray for them, to make him known to them, to show them love. And how many know prayer changes things? Prayer changes things. It really helps people come into the kingdom of God. It absolutely softens them up so that they can receive this wonderful mercy that the Lord has given. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sin, he gave us life in Christ Jesus. If he's done that for you, he can do it for your loved ones. We've got 40, 50 family members, cousins, uh, you know, some, even one of our kids away from the Lord and, and, um, and re- relatives and in-laws. Some of them are outlaws, but um, in-laws. We're just praying for them all that we, we want to see them in the kingdom of God. And, you know, one by one, God is just starting to touch. A couple have come to Christ and others are starting to open up. And, and we just, we're committed to praying. We're just committed to praying because it doesn't matter how hard they look. It doesn't matter how lost in sin they are doesn't matter how far from God they seem to be. That verse tells me, but God is rich in mercy and wants to show them mercy, wants to show them grace. God is more concerned to save them than you are. How many know that God can win? Yeah? Let's conclude this. I conclude with this story. Uh, There was a a chess competition. This happened, I think, in the early 50s because Billy Graham shared this story in 1955. And... and I think it's a great story, but there was a chess championship and there was a bit of downtime. So one of the champion chess players was taken by a friend to an art gallery and they were looking around this art gallery and they came to a painting that was entitled Checkmate. 
And uh, it was of a, of a chess game, and there was a man, and he was playing the devil. And uh, it, it just, it was checkmate, according to the painting, the guy playing the devil, he'd lost. It was checkmate. And the devil had this big grin on his face, knowing that he'd defeated this man and now would own his soul. And the two of them were looking at this painting, and then the, the guy that had invited the chess champion, he wandered off to look at some others. And the chess champion, he just kept looking at it, kept looking, kept looking, kept looking at it. He kept looking. And then he stepped back. He, he said, it's, it's, not, it's wrong. It's wrong, he said. The king has one more move. The king had one more move in the game. You need to know your king's got one more move. Hallelujah. Your king has got one more move. Uh, whatever you face this coming year, discipline, the trials of life, adversity, weakness, um, concern for the lost, whatever you face in this coming year, you need to know your king has got one more move. And there's a but to every situation you and I'll face. Hallelujah. Jesus said, in this world, you'll have much trouble, but be of good cheer. I've overcome. But there's another one. In this world, you'll have much trouble, but be of good cheer, for I've overcome. Amen. You know, we're going to pray into this in a moment. And I was asking the Holy Spirit, what do you want to do at the end of this message? And, um, and, and Greta and I both heard the same thing, that what he wants to do is release a prophetic anointing tonight on our lives, because if you can hear from heaven, and if you can see what God is doing and saying in your circumstances and in global circumstances, you're going to have a totally different worldview. You're going to get the butt in your spirit when you hear from God. You're going you're gonna to know that the king has one more move when you hear and see from heaven. And so just in a moment, we're going to release that prophetic anointing because God wants in 2017 you and I to hear more clearly and see more clearly than we've ever done before. When you start hearing from heaven, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. But just before we get to that, I just want to say to you, do you know the Lord Jesus? Have you ever asked him to forgive you your sin? You know, God is so rich in mercy that he wants you in his family. As I shared this morning, the Bible says, as many that receive Jesus who believe in his name, he gives them power to become children of God. And before we move on, I'd love to pray that anyone here today, you've never given your life to Christ, or maybe you once did, but you've walked right away from God and you need to come back to him right now, uh, then tonight's your night to do that. Can we just close our eyes to help us concentrate a, a bit? And if you... Know that you need to give your life to Jesus or come back to Him. I'm going to ask you in a moment to raise your hand. By raising your hand, you're indicating, that's me. I need to give my life to Christ. I need to come back to Jesus. I'm just going to scan the room right now. If you know that you need to give your life to the Lord Jesus or you need to come back to Him, why don't you raise your hand right now? We'd love to include you in a prayer in a few minutes that would allow you to connect with the Lord. Is there someone you have never given your life to Christ and you know that you need to tonight because you don't, you, don't, you know, God does not want you to stay in your sin. He wants you to be forgiven. He wants you to be cleansed. He wants you to be in his family. Or maybe you once did that, but you've walked right away from God. You too, I'm going to ask you right now, just raise your hand. Just hold it up 
I'll see it. I'll acknowledge it. You can put it down. We may all be believers here. I'm not sure. That's okay if we are, but I want to just give an opportunity. Thank God for the four that did that this morning. I believe two of them at least were first-time decisions for the Lord. Is there someone right now, don't let fear stop you. Don't let fear stop you. Sometimes your heart thumps. Sometimes you think, like, what are people going to think? Jesus said, if you confess me before people, I will confess you before my Father. Is there someone, you got courage in your heart, you need to get right with God. Just quickly raise your hand right now. So I look around the room one last time. If that's you, just raise your hand. I'm going to assume we're all believers. That's great. Praise God. Let's stand, church, shall we? Hallelujah. Honey, just come and join me. Let's just wait on the Lord a little. Um, and what you're playing, just let it keep coming, just the music. Let's just wait. You know, God is speaking prophetically. just going to wait for the Holy Spirit to come. Touch hearts. You know, what I've shared tonight is not meant to create fear of tough times. It's meant to create faith for victory. We don't need to fear the tough times because there's a but. Because there's a king that has another move yet. Every time he'll outwit the enemy and his strategies over our lives. But I know there's people in this room tonight, you need to hear from heaven more than you've ever done before. Thank you, Jesus. It says about Jesus, Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah 11 about the Messiah. It says, the spirit of the Lord would rest on him. The spirit of the fear of the Lord, of knowledge, wisdom, counsel, understanding and might so that he would not judge by what his eyes see or his ears hear so that he would not judge by what his natural eyes saw or his natural ears heard but he would judge instead by what his spiritual eyes saw and what his spiritual ears heard we got do you know you've got two sets of eyes and two sets of ears you got a natural set and you got a spiritual set when we allow the natural to dominate and we just look at the natural evidence can lead us astray but when we have eyes to see and ears to hear Proverbs 20 verse 12 eyes to see and ears to hear are a gift from the Lord hallelujah how many need that gift tonight at a whole different level I sure do thank you come on just tell Jesus that you love him let the the music wash over you tonight Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, we exalt you. We exalt you. Come on, just tell him you love him. Tell him you love him. Jesus is our king with that move, with that extra move. Jesus is the one that puts the butt in our hearts. But God, but God, hallelujah. Tell Him you love Him. Pray in the Spirit if you can. Pray in tongues. Pray in English, whatever. Just pray. Tell Him you love Him. 
exalt Jesus tonight. He is the one. He is the one. Hallelujah. Prophecy is great, but He's better. Oh, the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. Prophecy is meant to point us closer to Him. We love you tonight, Lord Jesus. We exalt you. We exalt you, Jesus. Yes, we love you, Lord. Yes, we do. Oh, we love you, Lord. We love you. We love you. Come on, why don't you sing a song to Him?